Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Welcome to Behind the Mask with Cassandra Perkins. Listen today as we show you how to love God, love people, and impact the world for Christ. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Cassandra Perkins, and you're listening to Behind the Mask, where our goal at Behind the Mask is to share stories of hope and inspiration and, and sometimes, uh, you know, stories of struggle that people have gone through. So ultimately, we can learn from their life and what they've been through. It's, it's, it's incredible to hear the stories of others and to be able to hear their experiences throughout their life and how, uh, you know, how they get through their life and to hear how that can be beneficial to us in our life. I mean, it's, it's stories. It, you know, the reason we have things like motivational speakers and authors is because we do learn from other people's messages and other people's stories. And it's so cool to be able to sit in this spot every week week and be able to share those stories. And if you want to hear past stories or learn more about me or the show itself, please go to my website. You can check it out. It's Cassandra Perkins Radio. Dot com CassandraPerkinsRadio.com. I am so excited to have on this guest today. This is somebody who is just out of the park amazing, just a, a, an amazing guy, amazing heart. And he is, you know, he's been through a lot of struggles himself. He's been through a lot of adversity in his life. And he's sitting here today to share these stories and, and tell us about these stories and, and put them all out there. You know, I uh, he was involved with the 17 Biblical Principles of Success with Phil R. Taylor, and uh, I was so blessed to be able to, and I've been, if you guys haven't noticed, I've been not live in the studio because I've been traveling, and I was in North Carolina and with the 17 Biblical Principles of Success, and I got to meet some incredible amazing people and hear their stories and James Perdue was one of those people and to be able to just sit down and hear his story and, and talk to him one-on-one -on -one, he is truly an inspiration and, and the fact that he is you know he's been through this adversity and he found a way to take his voice and put it out into the world is is something that I wish to do every day in my life so he's a, a true inspiration to me as well as I think he will be to you guys so without further ado let me Leonard him a little bit. Let me read his bio a little bit and then we'll bring him on the show. So at 16, at age 16 years old, James grew up fast when his father passed away. He played baseball in high school and received a college scholarship. Concerned about his mother and brothers, he hoped his athletic talent would lead to a financially successful professional baseball career. Then one day while playing a pickup football game, James was seriously injured and diagnosed as a quadriplegic. He asked the doctor, how, how bad is it? And the doctor responded, bad enough. You'll never walk again and possibly never move from the neck down. Now, God placed James and, you know, it's so incredible to hear his, you know, how his story of coming to God really came about too. We'll talk about that later. But he was placed in an incredible family that, you know, heard that advice that he would never, you know, never be able to move again. And they said, well, no way. You know, they didn't accept that advice. And after years of hard work and perseverance, he was able to return to college. And after completing his bachelor's degree, it took him three years to land a teaching contract. And, uh, you know, 
employers didn't see the the wheelchair you know the employer people didn't see the wheelchair and, and that's kind of the same thing here we hear his voice and how how powerful he is and how powerful he moves so he is now a, a teacher successful teacher successful coach he's an author i have his book sitting right in front of me that he handed to me one more play which is an incredible book i got to read it myself and to be able to you know he, he basically says that in in his life and this is something that he's gone through he works with people to over overcome challenges and overcome their own paralysis in their life. And the, you know, the term paralysis doesn't necessarily mean, you know, unable to move the body, but whatever's holding them back from reaching their goals. And that is so incredible to hear. It's, it's, you guys are going to be so moved by his story, how he came to where he is today. And I am so excited to have him on the show and talk to him today. James Purdue. James, are you there with us? Hey, I'm here, Cassandra. Hey, how's it going? My sister from the 17 Biblical Principles of Success. Yeah, yeah, it was incredible. It was an incredible event, and we got to meet each other, and I got to talk to you and hear you speak, and you're an incredible speaker, and we got to see, you know, your little dog as well, Ricardo, and it was just so incredible. I get jealous of Ricardo. He steals the show sometimes. Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, he did. So, it's so cool. And to be able to to talk to you in person, and, you know, I've heard your story and, and you know, been following you through Facebook, but to meet you face-to-face is, is so incredible. And thanks so much for, you know, giving me your book and then uh, agreeing to be on the show and talk to us today. I appreciate that. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. And likewise, I'm meeting you, you know, uh, uh, I try not to tear up as much as uh, I could have in life sometimes, but uh, you know, hearing your story, you know, made me tear up a little bit. So you've got a powerful testimony mm-hmm. as well. Thank you. I appreciate that. And it's it's so cool that, uh, you know, we found our voices and we've both been through adversity in our own life, in our own way. And to be able to discover those voices and, and share them with other people, you know, you never know who that story is going to touch. And that's why I'm just so excited to be able to talk to you today and have you share your, your mind, share your story What's in, and be able to uh, put that out into the world. Because like I said, you never know who's going to hear that and need to hear this right now. So let's just get started let's just jump into this i would love to you know i just discussed a little bit while reading a little bit about you but i want to know where does your story start you know here you are with this passion for baseball i mean wh- where does it start for you where does your story start uh yeah actually uh growing up uh, i was probably 19 years old and i remember in the backyard throwing baseball with my grandfather and i didn't realize how good of a ball player he was until i got in the wheelchair I started hearing other people talk about him, but I guess I got it, my ball playing from him. But I remember out the backyard just throwing the ball with him and everything like that. And I remember the first time trying out for a little league team and made the team. And then about two weeks before the season started, I got cut. <laughs> and I thought, I thought boy, I, my heart just broke, bro, uh, broke and I was hurting and busting. And, and uh, so I worked even harder with my grandfather in the backyard. And made the team the following year, then uh, just baseball became a love. I just put so much into it that I loved the game so much that um, eventually, you know, when I got into high school, I was, uh, as far as I know, I'm still the only one that's got the most valuable player uh, my junior and senior year. So it was the only two-time winner that in my high school that I, that I know of. And, um, of course, I was hoping to make a living at playing baseball and help for my mom, help my brothers, and Things like that was that was my goal in life. So, um, you know, sometimes our plans don't work out the way we want it, huh? 
Yeah, that's that's for sure. And it's 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 amazing that, you know, you're living your life and you have this passion and, and it's so cool to hear that that passion is still so, you know, in your heart and it's still there. And I, I love that. But yeah, we, we plan this life out. We think we know exactly what's going to happen with our life. We have it all planned out the way we want, you know, we want it to go. And it just doesn't always seem to work out that way. And in some cases, you know, it might be through adversity. It might be through difficulty times in your life. So let's talk a little bit about how your accident happened. And it was kind of just a, a freak way of happening, just something that you didn't even expect. Um, would you mind talking a little bit about how that happened? Well, and uh, I tell people when I tell this part of the story, it was like for two weeks. Again, at this time, I wasn't a Christian, but I would grew up going to church. I wasn't saved, but I went to church. It was like a Knew there was a God, but it was hard to believe in it. Yeah, uh, is is what I is how I what I what is how was the thinking that I had. Uh, it's like I knew it was a God, but it was hard to believe in one. Uh, but um, but it's like uh, God was giving me like for two weeks a signal. You need to settle down, boy. You're doing stuff in wrong, and something bad's going to happen. Like He was warning me, but mm-hmm. I didn't catch those warnings until after I got paralyzed. Uh, for like two weeks before. I was riding around in a Jeep with some friends, and, of course, we was drinking. I tell people uh, I had drinking, and I had one or two many uh, Cokes, Pepsis that night. And uh, here I am thinking I'm invincible, so I was going to try to stand on the roll bar while we're four-wheeling. And so I got both knees up on the four-wheel, I mean on the roll bar, got my hand up there and getting ready to stand up. We end up hitting a hole, uh, hole outside. And I went flying over top of the Jeep, and the Jeep stopped before hitting me, and I cut my arm and everything on the Jeep. And I remember getting home that night, and my mom says, boy, if you don't quit doing the things you're doing, you'll be in a nursing home, and I'll be taking care of you the rest of your life. Oh, no, Mom, you worry too much. Like it, I was telling her, you worry too much. But then there was another time I was playing softball, and my younger brother attacked me, and I remember saying to him, the only way you'll beat me up is if I'm in a wheelchair and can't defend myself. Hmm. And then about the uh, day, before, day before my incident, I was actually playing. I got to play one college baseball game. I was the only freshman that started. And that night, uh, my mom said, come on home. I'll fix you dinner. I'll drive you back down to college the next day. And I told my mom, I said, Mom, no, I'm going to go down and be with all the baseball players, be with the team. And I said, I did the old Titanic thing. You remember Titanic said, you know, um, he said, even God himself can sink this ship. I did the old thing and said, Mom, the way things are going, nothing can stop me from getting this professional career. Hmm. And, of course, you go back to the Titanic, right? Yeah. God didn't have to. The, the iceberg did it for him. And so uh, so I was doing the episode that I was so cocky and everything that nothing was going to stop me from getting this uh, scholar, uh, this uh, professional contract, where well, the next day we were playing football and a guy hit me when I wasn't ready and broke my neck. Mm. Wow. And, you you know, again, you think you just got it all laid out and you think you have it all in front of you, and then something like that happens. Now, one of the, the things that you talk about and, you know, a big part of your story is you were getting ready to go home. You were getting ready to, to leave, and they called you back for one more play. Would you mind talking a little bit about how that happened? Yeah, what happened was my team, we were playing football out there, and 
probably been out there maybe two hours, and um, my team had gotten the ball back. And then uh, I remember saying, hey, I'm done for today. I need to get my stuff ready for class tomorrow. And so I walked out of the huddle. I got maybe 10 feet from the uh, huddle, and I heard someone say, we need someone to run the ball. So I stopped, turned around, and I said, all right, I'll come back for one more play. And then they hand the ball off to me. I broke through the line, broke a couple of tackles, scored a touchdown. And as I was turning around towards everyone, I saw something in my peripheral vision. I had no idea what it was. You saw something. And so, of course, the play's over. I scored a touchdown, putting the ball down. And then I felt a contact up high, and then I heard a loud pop. And we both went to the ground. And on that day, uh, only one of us returned to her feet, and it wasn't me. Hmm. Wow. And to have to live that experience and to have to, you know, it's it's something that people, you know, don't, don't even want to think about, thinking about losing that. And, and for you to, you know, just want, that one more play, just that one more play. And, you know, I can only imagine that, you know, the regret that went through your head and, and all the things that were, you know, going through your head after that point. And, you know, even, you know, the kind of, we talked about it a little bit when we were together, but even the depression that you went through and I, I um, to be able to to go through that experience is, is so I can't even imagine going through that I can't even imagine going through that and for you to be able to go through that and here you are today talking about it and and just such an inspiration is so incredible but you know I would love we do have to take a quick break but when we return I do want to dive into a little bit you know the doctors were saying that you know you're never gonna move from the neck down you're never gonna none of these things and to hear that must have been so devastating for you so when we return we're going to talk about that experience a little bit stay tuned I'm Cassandra Perkins, host of Behind the Mask. And I'm Brian Warnicke, and I've been living with cystic fibrosis for 17 years. Brian, what is cystic fibrosis? Cystic fibrosis is a disease that attacks the digestive system and slowly shuts down the lungs, and it makes the mucus in your lungs more syrupy. So the mucus in everybody else's lungs is very watery, and you clear it by just breathing. The mucus in my lungs is like maple syrup, and I have to do respiratory treatments twice a day, every single day, along with 50 pills to control it. Brian, how are you bringing awareness to cystic fibrosis? So I've done a few charity bike rides. Um, I did one a couple years ago that was 1,065 miles over 43 days, 46 cities and eight mountain passes all around Colorado with my beloved dad with me. I'm also a very active advocate in the public speaking community for cystic fibrosis and the music video from One Republic, it's called I Lived, has been just amazing in raising awareness. For more information about cystic fibrosis or about myself, you can go to the Pink Lightning Facebook page or CFF org or pinklightning.org
I'm Cassandra Perkins from Behind the Mask. I'm Alex Sheen, founder of Because I Said I Would. Alex, why are promises so important to humanity? You know, a lot of people don't think about broken promises as a humanitarian issue, but it really is one. Think about the people who you might know who say things like, I'll quit smoking, I'll lose weight, I'm going to volunteer more, but then nothing. You know, nothing about this downward slide about our culture and keeping promises, nothing about that is going to change unless there's something to change it. And that is what we are. Because I said I would as a social movement and nonprofit organization dedicated to the betterment of humanity through promises made and kept. We cannot make the world better if we can't keep our promises to make it better. I encourage people to check out because I said I would.com or Facebook.com slash because I said I would to learn more about our nonprofit and humanitarian effort. Welcome back, everyone. I am joined over the phone with James Purdue. Before the break, we were talking a little bit about how he was injured while playing football one day. He was seriously injured and diagnosed as a quadriplegic. And to to go through that experience and and to hear from the doctor, you know, you're never going to walk again and you're probably never going to move from the neck down. To to go through that and to hear that, I can't even imagine what that must feel like and and how that must feel to to hear that you're never going to you're never going to move again. So James, are you still on the phone with us? Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much for, again, for once again, for being on the show and, and being here today. Would you mind throwing out where people can either get your book or you know, find more about you, a website? Uh, yeah, you can go to Amazon, and my book is One More Play uh, from there. And uh, my website is jamespurduespeaks.com. You can go there and catch up with me and uh, get me to come speak at your event. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's truly incredible, guys. I, I mean that. I got to, to live that firsthand. So, yeah, so we were talking about that a little bit. And, you know, it's it's so hard to imagine hearing that and to, to, to live through that. And, you know, I, I, with my dad, my dad was in an accident. I talked a little bit about when we were on the stage. My dad was in an accident. And I remember the doctors just looking at us and saying, he's not going to live. He, he's, he's not going to live. And I just remember sitting there going, are you God? Why? Why? Why would you say that? So for you, you hear you are and you're hurt. You're in this accident and you hear that. What what, what was that like to to hear that in that moment? Uh, one of the sad things about it is when I heard that, I wasn't surprised uh, from hearing it because when I was 12, 13 years old, my grandfather had a massive stroke and heart attack and was placed in a nursing home. And I used to go visit him and uh, see him and everything. And But uh about two rooms before I got to my grandfather's room, I met a guy, and his name was J.T. He was only about 30 years old, and, of course, I'm 12 years old at the time. And uh, J.T., how I met him was one day, he says, hey, buddy, come here. And I go in his room and uh, got to meet and talk with J.T., and he was paralyzed from his, his neck down from playing um, – no, no, not playing, but from a car accident. And uh, so I would talk with him when I met my grandfather, but – so that day when they told me that I would possibly not move my neck down, I was thinking they're probably true, you know, because I met JT with a broken neck. And then after that, the thing coming to mind was I'll be in a nursing home at the age of 19. Hmm. That, that's, that's what popped in my head after they said that. I'll be in a nursing home like JT at the age of 19. Um, and that, that didn't set too well. 
uh, right. with me. And sure enough, the uh, doctors, after they performed all their tests and everything like that, and a few months later after rehab and stuff, advised to put me in the nursing home. And thankfully, my family ignored it, and I ignored them. But, um, you know, uh, I, I remember, I remember again, when I wasn't a Christian at the time, but I remember even saying to, saying, saying to God, and this is one of them prayers that you're, I guess, trying to, you're in denial, but you're trying to, trying to go through the whole phases of everything, denial and depression and, yeah. uh, and everything and trying to accept and, and deal with the bargaining. And you go, well, if I'm the last person that can be paralyzed, uh, from, uh, this, uh, no one else paralyzed. I'll go ahead and accept this uh, and go from it. And you know it, that's an empty little prayer because you know that's not going to happen. But you know, trying to do the bargaining chip with God right. at that time, and uh, and so uh, I, I remember saying that at, uh, during that time too. Wow, and to to be able to you know pray and be able to have that conversation is is uh, you know it shows that you know you did know that there was a God, but you didn't you know it's almost like uh we hear a lot a lot of stories from people who you know they they know that there's a God they might know there's God kind of what you said in the beginning of the show, but they don't necessarily believe in a God you know you're not fully yep. committed to that idea and you know it seems like uh, any time we want to pray to God is when we want something and um you know do you have to go through this adversity in your life and to have to go through this experience um you know it's it's interesting to hear that you know you kind of filtered out the the negativity that people were saying and i mean and they're just doctors you know they're just telling you what they know they're just telling you what they've experienced but even for you you were like no i I don't want to i don't want to be in a nursing home i don't want to be put into i don't want to do that that's not my path that's not my goals and you reached out and you kept persevering what was what was the recovery like for that i mean what was it like when you you did go into to rehab and start rehab was it discouraging for you the first few yeah, the first rehabs when i was in the hospital uh doing rehab during that time and then when i the day i got released from the hospital i also was sent to a specialized um rehab in uh, birmingham alabama and the only thing i kept learning there is they were trying to teach you to work with what you had they didn't anticipate if anything ever come back uh, what to do they were trying to teach you to train and do what you got and move from there and i had a hard time with that and because i was thinking there's got to be more than this uh, of course i didn't have much movement or anything but i kept thinking there's got to be more than this yeah. and uh so when we got done from that rehab i came actually home and actually, we started our own physical therapy program uh, for, for from our own homestead. And I would exercise my arms when I started moving them. And I would get my family to exercise with me so I wouldn't be by myself. Some friends would come over. I'd get them exercise with me. Mm-hmm. And we, we were exercising three to four or five hours a day wow. uh, to help get me stronger. And uh, within a year, maybe a year and a half, maybe a year and a half, uh, we actually got where I could stand on my own and uh, walk with a walker for about 10 minutes. Hmm. So I tell people, the doctor said I'll never walk again. Ha, I made a liar out of them for 10 minutes. But just the other 23 hours and 50 minutes, they were correct. 
Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, you you put your mind to something and and you you know you persevered and 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 you know that's something that you say a lot is to persevere past your paralysis. And now you're here today helping other people who are in their own paralysis who are holding back from their goals and their dreams and what they want to accomplish in their life by, you know, sharing your story. And uh you know, I love that you say, you know, you accept adversities, you begin battling and you you conquer challenges and that's truly what you you've done and you you went through now something we we both have in common um that we both been through is we both dealt with depression and and a depressive state in our life where um you know it feels like there's no hope it feels like there's no light when did you start to go through that stage in your life you know we go through at different times in our life as well so uh you get it once it may it may be hopefully Hopefully it's the only time you go through yeah. it and you get out of it. Right. But I would say more the majority of the time we fall into depression more than once in our life. Yeah. And um but during this time I was I was probably depressed pretty quick. Um but I tried to hide it in front of everybody. You know, they'd come talk to me, anybody talk to me, I put the smiley face on and yeah. oh I'm doing great today and da da da. But then when I go to bed and the lights are turned out and the door's shut, I'd be crying. Wow. Um, and the, I remember I was probably in one, uh, severe, severe depression, for like four or five of the first years. And I didn't realize how bad it was. And I didn't realize how much of a fake people saw through it. Then I guess I finally popped out of it. See, I went to like 15 different rehabs in five, in five years trying to find that cure to walk. Wow. 15 different rehabs. Which is a lot. Cure. I mean, I can't even imagine how much of a toll that put on you just alone to have to go through that experience itself. With that and all the pressure on my family. Right. You know, because I wasn't driving then, so here they are driving me to Atlanta, to Philadelphia, to uh, Knoxville, to... Um, Birmingham. So even in your own head, even in your own head, during this time in your life where you're going through this, you're still thinking of other people, what they're going through, how they're experiencing this. And it just you know, shows the type of person oh, who yeah. you are, that you're always thinking of other people. Now, James, well, I want people this, to... I was going to say, this situation here, it is not any different than any other situation, right. is you're not by yourself. Yeah, You're affecting other people that's around you, whether you want to or not. Because right. they love you so much that they're hurting for you. Yeah, absolutely. And people are always surrounding you. And even in those times where we can't necessarily, we feel alone, we feel ho hopeless, there are people there. And uh, we just have to reach out and, you know, find those people in our life. Now, you have your awesome book, One More Play. It's incredible, guys. Trust me, it's it's absolutely incredible. He's incredible. Please book him. Go, you know, find out more about him. You can go to James jamesperdusespeaks.com or look up his book on Amazon One More Play. You can also find out more about him as well as myself. You can go to my website, which is cassandraperkinsradio.com. We'll be right back. I lift my hands, I lift my worship to you. Love 
This is Cassandra Perkins, host of Behind the Mask. And I'm Gary Barnes, the Breakthrough Business Mastery Coach. Gary, you are so incredible. And I think in society, we have been taught that adversity is a bad thing. And you have been through a lot of adversity in your life. You've had to go through that in your own life. How do you relate to adversity? You know, the first thing, Cassandra, is that it's normal. And we don't have a good explanation about why it happens. And we want to know the why. And normally, we are not going to know why. But the decision point is, as it happens... Now, what do we do with it? And it revolves around vision. My definition of vision is going into your future to where you can see it, taste it, and feel it. And it's so real that you bring it back. And now you've created a personal deja vu to where now you're being pulled towards that vision. It's not so much about what is happening to you presently, but where you're going. And so it doesn't take away. It doesn't make that hurt, that adversity that you're going through feel any better. But it helps us to take that next step. And it's really about following the step after step after step. Those tiny little steps that you got to take. I love it. And I love your, your outlook on things, Gary. It's so amazing. And to learn more about him, learn more about his programs, go visit his website, GaryBarnesInternational.com. Hi, this is Cassandra Perkins from Behind the Mask. And this is Mark Mara with Champion of Choices. Major depression affects more than 120 million people around the world. Suicide is now the second leading cause of death with students ages 10 through 24. Like my good friend Mark says, happiness is the key to success, and we all have that choice to make in life. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, so reach out to those around you and be the voice. We become who we surround ourselves with. Your friends, they're like elevators. They're either going to take you up or they're going to take you down. Find out more information at thinkpods, that's P-O-Z dot org, thinkpods dot org. Hi, I'm Cassandra Perkins from Behind the Mask. And I'm Jimmy Graham, Director of Active Shooter Response Training Center. Between 2000 and 2013, an average of 11.4 active shooter incidents occurred annually. And according to the FBI, active shooter incidents are on the rise, and the majority of them occur in the workplace. Tell us a little bit about your background, Jimmy. I spent a little over 15 years in the U.S. Navy SEAL teams as an operating instructor, and then I also uh, worked for the federal government, training protective officers and deploying overseas. And now what are you doing to help educate and prepare others? At ASRTC, we're training individuals in the workplace to protect themselves and those in their care. I love your motto. Would you mind sharing with my listeners what it is? Not at all. We have a motto of faith, not fear, and perception, not paranoia. To learn more, contact us at asrtrainingcenter.com. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Cassandra Perkins. You're listening to Behind the Mask. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you want to find out more about the show, as well as myself, please go to my website, CassandraPerkinsRadio.com. Today we have on an amazing guest, James Perdue. We've been talking to him a little bit about his story and having to face adversity in his life when he was just, uh, I believe he said 19 years old. Uh, he was playing a football game and uh, he got seriously, seriously injured and he was uh, diagnosed as a quadriplegic. And in his life, here he is, you know, 
being told that he's never going to walk again. He's never going to move from the neck down. And uh, he had to go through a lot of adversity through that. You know, that in itself is a lot of adversity. But then having to go through rehab and having to, you know, deal with, uh, you know, he almost kind of said it a little bit. His family, he having to think about his family, having to drive him around, take care of him, having to have them live through that. So he was dealing with a lot. And uh, as he said a little bit before, you know, he went through a depressive state in his life. And I think, I think as uh, humans, we all go through that. And here you, you hear his story of James' story and my story of going through adversity. And, you know, we're only human. We still go through adversity. And I think that's an important thing to think about is we have these incredible stories of, you know, overcoming adversity and overcoming difficult times and finding that light. But life is still life. And no matter what you're going through, it's okay to feel sad sometimes. It's okay to go through episodes in your life where you're sad. Just know that there is that light and that you ultimately, ultimately, this is a bump in the road and that you can get through anything in your life. And I think James is such a perfect example of that, in, in my opinion. So James, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for, for being on today. Thank you for the opportunity, Cassandra. It's uh, been a big pleasure. Absolutely. So over the break, we were, you know, just before the break, we were talking a little bit about you know, having to go through what you said, 15 rehabs, you know, having to go through this time and uh, going through depression, but, you know, trying to put on a happy face for other people. And I think I think a lot of people can relate to that. A lot of people can relate to it putting on that happy face, pretending to, to be happy around other people and, and breaking down when you're alone. So for you, I mean, you even went through a, a moment where you tried to attempt suicide, such as such as myself. Um, was it through that time that you found the light? Because for me, for me, once I you attempted suicide, after that moment in my life, after a failed attempt, I, I found the light in myself and I said, okay, what is my, what is my purpose in this world? What am I supposed to do? Well, there's a purpose of me being here. Why am I here? So did you have that aha moment during this time? What, where was the, the time in your life where you pulled out of this, this depressive state in your life? Well, actually, um, after that last rehab that I went to, I kind of lied to myself and lied to everybody around me that I'd said, um, not that I'm quitting, trying to walk again but in reality i was mm. i'd you know five years of trying this 15 rehabs I, but i would tell people i need to put this on the back burner i need to go back to college if i'm gonna be successful i gotta be a man with a degree that's in a wheelchair um you don't hear many people in wheelchairs out there doing anything and so i figured that that's what i need to do and that's when i think my first depression Really, I, I finally accepted everything, and that's when I talked to somebody one day, and they they said, "Man, you sound so much better." They said, "You wouldn't believe that uh, four years ago we were we were all betting that you're going to kill yourself." Mm -hmm. I said, "What?" And they said they could hear my voice, the way I talked, stuff like that. So I wasn't fooling anybody when I was trying to hide wow. uh, from people about this. But uh, that's when it opened up. I finally accepted it, even though I lied to everybody and myself that it was time to move on. And so the sad thing is about, like I said, depression sometimes come back to us later in life. Yeah. I was already at that time a successful educator, been teacher of the year, teacher of the week, uh, television, uh, TV, one of the news teachers of the year, uh, week thing, uh, coach of the year twice, coach a state championship team. And then life come in, I was working on a doctoral degree, and then life come and kicked me in the mouth again 
that I got where I wasn't able to stand up anymore. And so I needed assistance getting into bed. I can get out of bed. I just can't get into bed. And one night, my younger brother came and helped me into bed. Now, a little history about him. He was an alcoholic. He knew he was an alcoholic, but he was one of them. He'd work all day, but then he'd come drink at night, all night. So he was a functional alcoholic. Well, his health had gotten bad. We took him to the hospital one time, and they told him that if he had... If he doesn't quit drinking, they gave him a 10% chance living only five more years. Mm. And he was an auto mechanic, so they told him with a hernia he had and an ulcer, don't pick up anything heavy when you're at work because of the hernia. But one night I couldn't get into bed, so he had to help me into bed. And I got in, he had me in bed. That night, 3 in the morning, my mother called that my brother had died. And so I felt responsible for his death that if I could have got in bed by myself, it wouldn't hurt him, and he would be alive. And so I went to that down, downward spiral again of a depression, and about three months later, I attempted suicide. I attempted three times in three days, and the third time, they uh, found me in my van, in my garage, taking carbon monoxide in, and the person the family said I wasn't breathing, and they said they didn't know CPR, so they would just slap me in the face while someone called paramedics. And the paramedics got there, revived me, and said probably 10 more minutes I'd have been dead. And mm-hmm. so I was put into a hyperbaric chamber for four hours to force oxygen into my body, carbon monoxide out, and was in the hospital for seven weeks. And during that time, you know, Cassandra, if you attempt a suicide and you live, they make you see a psychologist. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And so... uh so during seeing the psychiatrist, psychologist, that's when um, he says, James, God left you here for a reason, yeah. and your purpose is not over with. You need to find, you need to go out and tell your story. You need to write a book. You need to inspire other people to get out of that depression state, uh, to move on. Life comes to kick you in the teeth. Get up and put some false teeth in if you have to, and move forward and keep going. And he's the one that uh, brought it up to me that that's what I need to be doing. Wow. And how did you take that right away? How did you, because, you, you, I mean, here's this part where you, you just attempted suicide and here's someone saying that you have a purpose and you need to write a book and you need to do something and you have a, a voice. What what was your reaction at that time to that? Was it uh, a awakening for you or was it, you know, kind of like, oh, okay, whatever? Uh, part of it, yeah, was, yeah, right, you know, Plenty of other, plenty of people uh, write books and do stuff. And then sad thing is, I probably ten years earlier, I'd already started writing a book. Mm-hmm. Ten years earlier, I'd write a little bit here, a little bit there. Wouldn't touch it for two years, come back to it, and wouldn't touch it for three years, come back to it, and it just really sat there for ten years. And um, so, really, you know, when I got back to starting onto it, uh, just had to finish it up basically. But um, yeah, when he first started talking about that, I was going. No one was, of course, you're, you're still, even though you're seeing a psychiatrist talking, you know, at the beginning, you're still in a depression. So when he says that, you're going, yeah, nobody wants to hear me. <laughs> and so, you know, they say time heals all wounds. And, uh, you know, that's a good saying, but uh, you got to believe that God heals all wounds. Yeah. And, um, you know, eventually God put it on my heart. This is what I needed to do. And uh, I trust him with what he's saying. And. And that's what I believe I need to be doing. 
Wow. So what was the point in your life? Uh, my first question is, what What was the point in your life where you, know, well, you finally accepted God into your heart? Where, when did that happen? Um, and for years, I was doing the old, I didn't actually do the why me thing, I guess, to myself. But I did ask uh, a preacher or two why this happened. And believe it or not, there's people out there that's got these false prophets out there that'll tell you wrong things. And one guy was trying to tell me the reason it happened is God wanted to show he had control over me. I said, control over me? I said, why didn't he just break my finger then instead of my neck? And then that doesn't make any sense. All these drug dealers out there selling to these 10-year-old kids, you know, and he's living in a multi-million-dollar house and everything. Why is he controlling him? I said, and I was just playing an innocent game of football. So the guy had no answer for that one. And another girl was trying to explain to me that uh, because of my sins is why I'm in a wheelchair. And I'm going, that's hard to believe because we're all sinners. Why isn't everybody in a wheelchair? Yeah. And, of course, she had no answer for that either. Right. And so, and so um, uh, but what had happened is uh, while I was teaching, one of my students one day said, said Coach, we were, uh, my youth minister last night was getting ready to start talking about why does bad things happen to good people? And I said, well, I sure wish you'd let me know about that. I said, I would love to come in. I said, not to say that I'm a good guy, but uh, I'd like to know why does bad things happen like that. And she said, oh, no, he just introduced it last night. This coming Wednesday, he's going to be talking about why does it happen for good people. And so I took uh, the invitation and went to a youth group at the church, and uh, the guy was talking, and I was going, yeah, that's what I believe right there. And then I go, yeah, I believe that too. He'd say something else, go, well, I never thought of it that way, but it sounds good. And uh, so afterwards, I got to meet with the minister and talk to him. And I point blank asked him, said, tell me, man, why did this happen to me? You know what answer he gave? I don't know. Hmm. That's the best answer you can get. Yeah. I don't know. And he said, James, and you may never know until God reveals it to you. Hmm. And that's the best. And there's other people out there telling, well, what's your control over you? We're all, you know, you sin because of it. And, right. You know, right. You know, he, he says, I don't know. I says, I, I, I'm not God. I don't know. And, you know, in God, in his time, he'll reveal to you the purpose. Right. He said, until then, I can't answer that question. Wow. That was the best answer to ever get. And then that same night, I wasn't saved. Um, he was, him and Jesus were trying as hard as they could, but equally, Satan was working that hard that same night. Mm. But in June, June 4th of 2000, Billy Graham came to, and this is only a few months later after meeting with the minister, uh, was in Nashville, Tennessee at the Titans Coliseum at that time, and I went to go to the Billy Graham crusade and uh, uh, received Jesus, my Lord and Savior, at that point uh, then. And a year later, Jesus then had me over in Africa and everything like that. So, <laughs> wow, that's incredible! And to go through that experience, and you know, even in in that case, just asking that question, and and sometimes you just that simple answer of I I don't know, I don't know why this happened to you, and and God will reveal it to you, and you won't know until God reveals it to you. And it's incredible to see how how God has opened this 
you know, in my opinion, from an outside perspective, that you really do have this amazing voice and this purpose for you. When did you realize in, in your heart that you could help people? When, when was that moment where you said, wow, my story can actually help other people? It was after the suicide attempt. You know, I was trying to be, you know, I don't want to say inspirational, but the main thing is I was always trying to, um, you know, I was trying to more help people with disabilities at that time than just everybody out there. Right. Um, you know, to set a set a uh, line for people to follow that because you're disabled doesn't mean you can't be in public. Doesn't mean you can't be out there working and doing something in society. Uh, so when I went to Africa, that was the main reason I went was that I found out one of their goals was to get other people with disabilities out in the community because their place there where they lived, if you weren't farming or doing something constructive in the community, you weren't allowed to come out in the public. And so that was one reason I went. I was able to get a couple of um, places, um, oh, wheelchair dealers, uh, medical places, donate like 12 wheelchairs to send down to Africa with us Hmm. to get these people out and stuff like that. And so, um, yeah, really, is that, uh, that that's when I was wanting to be inspirational. But after the attempt and then uh, finally getting out of the depression fog is when I realized, you know, you can help out more than just disabled people. Uh, you can help out other people that are hurting. Uh, just because you can't see their disability, you can't see what they're going through, we're all paralyzed. And that's why I say persevere past your paralysis. We're all paralyzed for something, whether yeah. it's emotionally, spiritually, physically, mentally, yeah. somewhere, something. We're paralyzed and we're not doing something because of being fearful of what's going on around us and what's preventing us. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We all have our own thing in our life holding us back from what we want to accomplish in our life or what we think we can accomplish. And, and uh, you know, we all have that that wall in front of us that, you know, paralysis in front of us that just is preventing us from doing what we want to do. And uh, to be able to take your voice and inspire other people with your story is incredible. I want to know where the transition happened in your life where you're here you are with this incredible story, this, you know, this experience that you've been through in your life when did it when did you start speaking out about it when did you start you know booking speaking engagements and putting your story out there when did that transition happen well one of the things that my psychologist advised he said needed to uh start with toastmasters and he he said he was a toastmaster member and um told me i need to go with that because there i can learn more about speaking skills and things like that, and then work around my stories. said, those Toastmasters are a good place to put your story out there, and then you've got the critiques out there that help you build it uh, stronger and get some of the weak stuff out. And then, uh, you know, got into the uh, National Speakers Association, and that's where I met a couple of our other 17 biblical principles of success people uh, from there. And um, then it's just from there, you know the fight's William. Sometimes you get into places speaking and sometimes you don't, and but you just keep going as far as you can go. Yeah, yeah. 
And uh, it's it's amazing to, you know, sitting from an audience perspective, just personally, sitting from an audience perspective, looking around the room as you're telling your story, people really resonate with your story. And it's so cool to see that on people's faces when you can see that it's touching them in a certain way, that it's speaking to them in a certain way. And it's incredible because here's your story and here's something you've gone through. And, uh, you know, maybe they've had somebody that's gone through, you know, something a traumatic, you know, uh, event like this or, you know, you know, having to go through an accident like this, but even just the main message of the story is something that resonates with them. They don't have to have anything to do with an accident. They don't have have anything to do with that, but it resonates with them and it resonates with people. So thank you for putting that out there and, and sharing your story because your voice is so important. Your voice is so needed in today's world. And, and thank you for putting that on my show. I just wanted to, to thank you for that. Now, I think such a cool story is, is the way you found your dog and, and how you know, you were approached to be able to have Ricardo and have him in your life. And, you know, even you explain in your book how much of a difference he's made for you in your life. And he's just <laughs> adorable. He's just, a, it's such a good yeah. dog. Would you mind explaining a, a little bit about what that process was like and, and how he's helped you in your life? Yeah, what had happened is uh, one Saturday, one Saturday I was transferring out of my wheelchair, out of my bed to my wheelchair. And, um, that day, my wheelchair had a mind of its own, and it took off without me, mm. and I landed on the floor. <laughs> and the position that I landed, I couldn't even grab the wheel. I uh, couldn't even grab my phone that was right next to me, three feet away. I couldn't turn myself to grab the phone, so I had to drag myself from my li- bedroom to my living room, which only took was 20 feet. It only took me like two and a half hours wow. to get there. Oh and God. so that's when someone said, you know, James, maybe I ought to get one of them dogs that'll bring you a phone. <laughs> so we went through the process with the uh, Canine Companions for Independence and uh, went through the process. And eventually uh, it took a year or so. And actually what had happened, and here was why well, I tell people that hope's uh, one of my stories that I tell is hope comes in many forms. And then I say, ask Ricardo, hmm. because I had applied for him. I'd gone through everything that they said to get a dog, and I'd been waiting for one. But during that time is why I attempted suicide. So when I finally realized I'm going to live, I would tell my mom and brother, well, start bringing the mail up here at the hospital. I can pay the bills here so y'all don't have to take on that chore. And so while I was in the hospital, a letter came that says it was from Canine Companions for Independence. James, we've been emailing you, no response. We've called you home, no response. We have a dog, that we, we have a canine that we think that can assist you. We need to know that if you're interested in it, still want him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm thinking, here's hope. Come to me in the form of a letter of a dog that's going to help provide some assistance to me to make things easier for me. And eventually, Ricardo came home with me. <laughs> and has he, you know, made such a, a big difference in your life? And, and how? How has he made such a, a big difference in your life? What does he do his for main, you? His main thing is if I drop something, like if I drop my cell phone or my keys, they'll pick him, he'll pick it up and give it to me. But he can turn lights off and on, pull drawers open, open a door, close a door, uh, tell people he cleans my plate every night for me. 
<laughs> That's adorable. But uh, but the other thing, other thing, this is what's been great, and I wasn't anticipating this. He has opened up the doors for so many people to, that I can talk to to give my story to individually that I wouldn't have had the chance if they they wouldn't have come to me if if I didn't have a dog. You know, mm-hmm. most people they don't go to people in wheelchair and just say hello, how are you? But they'll come up to him and say, "What a beautiful dog." And then I'll say, here, you want to pet him? And so while they're introducing themselves to Ricardo, then I have my opportunity to uh, explain about me and my mission and speak about God for a minute. And then mm-hmm. Ricardo's had pretty good friends that uh, that are repeaters that come back to him. So, huh. Wow, that's cool. It's an it's a opportunity to get your foot in the door and, and share your voice and and to be able to share your voice with people and it's it's adorable you know at the the talk you have him say hi and he barks and it's it's adorable <laughs> it's, it's incredible and uh you know it's it's amazing to hear how even something like that can change your life and impact you so much and um I, I just am so impressed with your story and so impressed with who you are as a person and how you're so willing to put your story out there and, and, and put that you know, put that into the world because, again, you never know who's going to correspond with that and who's going to need to hear your story. So I guess... Uh, can I jump in just for a second there? Like you said, you never know who, whether it's my story, your story, whoever's story, that can keep someone going yeah. just another inch of a mile is is worth the purpose but i was speaking this one event one time and one would come up later at the end of it introduce herself to me um she said she would like to get my book she didn't bring the money so i just gave her the book but she introduced herself to ricardo she asked me a few questions and everything like that and then she says you know i'm going through a situation here's again she wasn't in a wheelchair she wasn't blind she wouldn't i mean i didn't see anything wrong with her right and she says you know i'm going through a situation i think she says, I wasn't even planning on coming here today, hmm. but God sent me here for a reason. And I think it was to hear your message, is what she said. And she says, I think what you've said today has encouraged me for my next journey in life right now. Wow. Well, a few days later, she didn't tell me what was going on. A few days later, I got an email from the one that had organized this event, and they, they forwarded it to me. The woman thanked everybody for... Uh, having the event, and she was glad she was able to come, and she sent thanks again to me through the organizer, and then went on and explained that just three days earlier, her doctors told her she had six months to live, Mm. and she didn't know how to handle this. And she thought that, and she mentioned me specifically, that with me doing what I did and going through and some of the advice she gave, she thinks she can hang in there for that six months to uh, help other people and help her family uh, oh handle it better. Wow. So, wow. You, yeah, you never know. Right, right. You never know. And it's it's so it's so rewarding, you know, just speaking as y- you and I, it's so rewarding to hear that your story, you know, the things that you've been through in your life was, was worth something, that you can share that and put that out there and people can correspond with that and, and get inspiration off of that. And the thing is, is, you know, we're not some crazy, you know, uh, different species that are capable of this. Everybody is capable of sharing their voice. Everybody is capable of sharing their story. Anybody who's listening right now you have a story you know what it is and use your voice and share it because 
really you can inspire people you can change people's life with your voice and it's it's incredible to to hear that other people you know correspond with that and are doing that now really i got, quick, I got this award i got this award one time and the guy gave it to me and he whispered in my ear uh, he says never underestimate that people are watching you yeah. you may not know it you may not see it but people are watching you and you're inspiring somebody so even again like you said, to anybody in your audience, somebody's watching you, and they're watching to see how you handle a situation that's going to neither inspire, inspire them or make it harder on them. Yep. Yep, and uh, it's it's incredible to to put it that way that somebody's always watching you and somebody's looking to you for inspiration, and we should live our life that way and, and to the to the best of our ability to live with you know purpose and and uh, perseverance and to just keep pushing forward because you know we're all going through the same life. It's difficult. It's hard. There's adversity all around us, but to be able to you know step forward and, and share our experiences with each other and, and be there for each other and know that you're not alone alone there are people you know such as us who we want to be there for people who want to inspire others who want to hear your story and it's it's uh just keep pushing forward and keep going because your life is so important and it's it's really i think i think james is a pure example of that james thank you so much for your time today and for being on the show you are truly an inspiration and this show has been absolutely incredible would you mind throwing out one more time where people can find you and find your book and, and just, uh, you know, even get you for speaking engagements. And, and again, I'm going to let you know that uh, I appreciate that you doing your inspiration for everybody is so rewarding as well. Uh, you inspire me. Thank you. So well, you can go to Amazon to get one more play or go to my website, jamespurduespeaks.com. Book me for your event. Uh, get one of my books on the website. Just pop in, say hello, and we'll go from there. Absolutely, James. You are an incredible man, and thank you so much for your friendship and for being on the show. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Absolutely. Guys, be sure to go to my website and check out everything on there. You can go to CassandraPerkinsRadio.com. Find out more about me and my guests. Thank you always to my lovely family for supporting me and for Jorge for running my show so incredibly every week. Guys, remember, love God, love people, and impact the world for Christ. We'll see you back here next week. Thank you for tuning in to Behind the Mask with Cassandra Perkins. To reach Cassandra or to learn more about her ministry and work, visit CassandraPerkinsRadio.com or look her up on Facebook. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.